0: back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Yeah, hello. Welcome. Thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hello. And we're getting to the age where some might consider us relics, but uh, <laughs> today we're going to talk about uh, relics of Jesus. I know... Uh, I know someone asked me if we would do a podcast on relics itself, uh, mm-hmm. where they come from, why we take them, what we do with them, all that stuff. But first, before we talk about those types of relics, I think it's really important uh, to uh, recognize that there are relics of Jesus hanging around, hmm. and uh, just to give us some background on why this is so special, uh, and you, you know, obviously we're not talking about like bones of Jesus because you know Jesus rose from the dead, uh, but uh, the the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the veneration of relics is an acceptable form of devotion and piety. And um, veneration of relics, visits to shrines that have them, pilgrimages, processions, stations of the cross are forms of piety in which religious belief finds a form of expression that surrounds the sacramental life of the church. That's Catechism 1674. And to give people some background, in the early church, the veneration of these relics of of Jesus were used uh, during Holy Week celebrations, yeah. to bring alive the uh, the celebrations that they, they did during during Holy Week. And so uh, those relics of Jesus that have to do with his passion, death, and burial, they're considered like first class, um, the first relics of the church, first class, uh, because they are of the resurrection and ascension of our Lord. So the, what are they? Where do we find them? And how do we see them? And w- why would we want to see them is the question. Because there's lots. Yeah.
1: It's, it's funny that you started even say, like, because of the Ascension, um, yeah. we probably don't have any what would be first degree relics. Uh, of, and, and maybe it's worth kind of uh, breaking that open a yeah. little bit. Because, um, you know, we we have relics that are, different degrees, you know. So, like, a first-degree relic is actually a part of of the saint, of the... Um, uh, a second-degree relic would be something, you know, personal, would be something either owned by the saint or, it, you know, it would be have an attachment. And then third-degree is something that was maybe touched, a piece of fabric, a piece of... Um, um, but you wouldn't expect there to be any first degree relics mm-hmm. of Jesus um and as we'll like as we'll kind of kind of uh, go through today different relics have different we'll say um kind of status of, yeah. of authenticity yeah. of or yeah. and you know as some of them have a tradition attached to them some of them are claiming to be relics some of them are you know uh, pretty established within within the church um, but there are claims that to have first degree relics of, of jesus like you know uh, uh there's a claim to, that uh, um things that would have been left behind um, um, as a result of the uh, ascension, yeah, yeah. um That, like, as people claim to have Jesus' baby teeth, or you know, oh. p- pieces of hair, Brilliant. or you know, because he would have, you know, if he I trimmed his beard, heard or, heard or you know, any yeah. of these things. So, um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about kind of uh, different, different gradations of authenticity, but like, but there are there are claims out there. There are so, and, and again, it'd be interesting to kind of investigate whether or not there are actually any first class uh, relics of Jesus. Um, uh, the only one I think that uh, has kind of um, been verified is is the blood the the blood of Christ that's been either preserved in other relics, yeah. um, or you know that there are some you know claims to having having drops of blood that that were kind of gathered at the at the passion and death.
0: Cool. Yeah. yeah. So when we're talking about the passion and the death of Jesus, uh, what sort of relics would we say are out and about there? That-
2: at, pretty much anything that you can mention that Jesus would have touched. <laughs> there's probably a relic for but I think there's importance to say what is verified relics and what's yeah. not because there, there, there's there is there's a lot of um, there are certain church verified relics meaning that the church uh, holds that these are probably the the truth and then there are there are just a lot of claims and so especially during the times of Crusades and when people needed a okay we got Jesus with us now we got a piece of his real hair you know and then like he's gonna lead us into battle or uh, we talked about um, I forget who you said was uh, had the 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 truth nail in his crown oh uh uh constantine constantine emperor, put yeah. it put yeah emperor constantine put it uh, so like th- those are ways that people um use the relics almost as superstitious uh as a okay this gives me extra power this yeah. that or the other thing and i mean indiana jones just goes all the way through it and kind of <laughs> you know from the holy grail to the you know um searching for the holy grail uh, but like the anyways um, so those true relics that, that have been defined the church has a couple of them and then things like the nails of, of the of the cross um, the, that were nailed that nailed Jesus to the cross things like um, the true cross that Jesus right. was actually and and um, There were uh, the crown of thorns, there are um, the veil of Veronica, there are the shroud of Turin, and we can talk about a little bit of those things.
0: And you know, now that you list these things, I'm just remembering that, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we celebrated the Christmas and the Christmas season, and I remember that the um, manger. Mm. Uh, yeah, w- uh, the crash. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the name. Yeah, was on display, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, at the Vatican. Uh, right, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was on display the truth, for like, the. Yeah, yeah. Isn't
1: that amazing? There, yeah, there are a series of uh, relics that are associated with the nativity. So, right. like the yeah the the manger itself, um, the swaddling clothes. There's there's a claim oh, that cool. these are still. Um, in existence, yeah.
2: Now, again, again, I think I think one of the things we have to understand or maybe take apart is is the fact that are all these relics true, and what if they're not? Mm-hmm. Because I think again, uh, it, it came at a time where you could sell relics and you could make good money on yeah. on convincing a royal person that this is the real yeah. true relic of jesus and, and a lot of connor right. probably took that advantage especially around the middle ages and that kind of things and later on as we have now science to prove and science to disprove i'm going to say certain things um there are relics that are not tested that aren't necessarily but there are a lot of relics that have been tested um and then certain athes- athes- authenticity. authenticity thank you yeah. uh <laughs> it brings it to the um brings it to the forefront. Like uh one of the ones for instance is uh that I looked into was the uh Veil vale of Veronica. So if you remember the story of Veil vale of Veronica we know we don't hear it so much in the Bible as we do through like the Stations, uh, Stations of the Man. Cross. Yeah. And it's when uh Veronica who was uh Roman uh, or or I'm going to say not royalty but is higher class higher class stepped out and and swabbed the face of Jesus basically wiped the sweat and blood from his brow uh and then and then when she came back the tradition holds that the image of Jesus' face was still on the cloth that she wiped his face with Right. during that passion, during that walking up of the... And um, the cool part about that is we actually have, um, we have dates and people that have written about it from anywhere from like 160 A.D. telling the story of Veronica and, and wiping the face of Jesus. Uh, 160, so 160 years after Jesus died, there, there, is, there was this relic and the stories and talking about it, and from all different sources, from Roman sources, from Christian sources, from Jewish sources and stuff, talking about this veil. So we kind of know that this veil existed. Um, what happened is we follow this through, and eventually 680 A.D., I think there's a, a couple more mentions, 770 A.D., there's another mention or two about this veil of Veronica. And then it gets to the point in 1600s all of a sudden we kind of lose track of it Mm -hmm. and and then there becomes a couple of veils that come out that say it's the true veil and so we kind of know now like the vatican holds the veil of veronica and talks about the story but it's kind of proven that we don't think that that's the real veil of veronica so why does the vatican still hold it why do they still you know show it why do they it probably just to talk about the story of veronica and 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 the and the and the like that story, how awesome it is and how it could change your life just if you meditate on it and you understand it like through that specific station of the cross. the sixth station. Yeah. And so it's and so kind of a cool cool thing. The, we do believe that the real veil might actually be in Monop, Monopolo, Monopolo um, and they might actually have it there in the church but we have to do some scientific testing and everything else to verify it. The church... Doesn't you know like if the church doesn't put forward this is absolutely the right veil this is you know, um but but does hold hey you know at certain times if if they want then maybe we'll get some scientific testing on it then we can prove, the thing is if it's proven to be false or if proven to be right that shouldn't really shake your faith
0: yeah of course Yeah. yeah do you ever think that um you know the first thing you do if you ever become pope. It's just like go in the basement and try and find all this stuff. <laughs> 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 We're like, wow, like that, this would be amazing. <clears throat> okay. I'll joke it aside. I, I'm really interested in the, uh, the relics of the true cross. What mm-hmm. can you tell me about that? Because uh, I was fascinated. We went on a little pilgrimage, uh, last summer. I think it was last summer. Was yep. it this past summer <laughs> with the Pope? And, uh, yeah, and we stopped uh, actually no i've seen a relic of the of the true cross a number of times yeah. uh, mostly on our yeah. pilgrimages <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah this past summer we saw I think in a church in Montreal, I believe it was. Yeah, and then I think we saw the relic of the true uh, true cross with the companions of the cross. They had all those relics time. there. That was cool. Yeah, so the obviously a cross that's held the body of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking a relic, just to give some people at home, uh, yeah. a picture, it's like a probably like a sliver. Yeah, it yeah, looks so, like a sliver.
1: So the the pieces of the true cross that are currently kind of. Uh, I don't want to say in circulation or like around that people know about um, are, are small. Um, yeah. um, um, and you know, you have, uh, um, I think, I, I, the, the quote is attributed to Martin Luther, but I haven't read it in him specifically, okay. but he's saying if, if you were to add up all of the pieces of the true cross, um, it would be enough it, like to build a ship or to be, okay. um, but you know, since, um, and Somebody kind of, actually did yeah, it. someone actually kind yeah. of a, a, any, any kind of, Legitimate claim to kind of authenticity of peace. It's actually a a, a much smaller portion of the um, of the whole cross. Okay. Um, And like, do you want kind of the background of
0: how did we get this? Like, we're talking about here in Canada how did we get in Ontario and Quebec at least these pieces of the yeah. true cross? Like where, where did okay. they salvage so, it from?
1: So like the, the true cross itself yeah. um, was said to, to be like, just kind of kept in Jerusalem um, and was kind of a, a relic of the early church. But you know, the, the early church was under you know tremendous persecution by, um, so again, they, they didn't really have the latitude to be like to bring all these things with them as they, as they kind of, um, you know, moved around. Um, uh, but uh, the the story goes, or like the and, and th- there is uh, again, some people will dismiss this as kind of a legend, but there is actually com- some uh, historical record and context for uh, for this claim that um, Helena, uh, Saint Helena, uh, the mother of uh, Constantine, Constantine. Uh, the emperor, um, this is and this is well after. Um, uh, Rome was converted to Christianity. Um, Emperor Constantine was converted. Um, com- so we're talking
0: like fourth century? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah uh, okay. Commissioned uh, his mother and a group of uh, um, uh, people to go back to the Holy Land, to look to see if they could find um, uh, relics specifically um, um, uh, around kind of the, the passion death uh, uh, of Christ, of uh, Christ. Um, you know, they, they actually, they did go to Bethlehem as well um, and they, um, but um, it was said that, you know, they were able to locate three crosses from, mm-hmm. from that time period or from mm-hmm. uh, that area. And the way that they're like the, they kind of verified um, that, you know, the true cross was the true cross um, is that it, it actually performed a miracle. Um, they brought someone who was terminally ill. Some of yeah. the stories say that the person was already dead yeah. um, and, you know, a touched the, each of the crosses, and um, uh, on the one cross, they were miraculously healed. So that was taken as, um, and it was kept, um, there, there there, are pieces, um, there are pieces, like larger pieces that are still kept in Jerusalem. Uh, there are larger pieces um, uh, at the Vatican in Rome, um, but the main timber, or the, um, was, uh, again, you have accounts of it being kind of moved around and kept on um, Again, as a symbol of the uh, of, of the Holy Roman uh, Empire for um, hundreds of years, um, but that main piece or that that larger section was actually lost during the Crusades. Um, hmm. That it was taken um, uh, by I think uh, again, I'm, I'm, my history is a little bit uh, dodgy here, but um, uh, by uh, uh, Saladin the um, um, and. It, what I find interesting about that um, is that y- you were talking about um, kind of reasons why people would would want to like um, that, that you know that that um, people want to sell um, yeah. you know uh, relics yeah. to you know wealthy people because like you know peddlers of of <laughs> relics of dubious authenticity <laughs> to like these these you know um, these people with money. Um, it's like there's no like positive motivation for, you know, that story to exist because it's actually quite embarrassing that, um, you know, uh, the, the crusaders lost, um, you know, the, the main, main timber of the, the true cross, but other pieces are retained Uh, they've been retrained through, you know, the, the high middle ages into the Renaissance into, and, and now, um, you know, in a very roundabout way of answering your question, um, <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, kind of small fragments distributed kind of, uh, all over the place.
0: Okay, on the topic of like the crucifixion, the cross, all that stuff, like part of the passion. Yeah, like I know that there's a relic of the 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 scourging pillar. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and that is preserved right now uh, in Rome. Right? It was well, yeah. uh, apparently it was taken to the Church of the Apostles <laughs> atop Mount Sion after the destruction of Jerusalem, and right now it's a portion of it. Is uh, believed to be uh, housed in one of the oldest churches in Rome. Yeah, Santa Prasede. I,
2: I saw it there when I went. Um, that was kind of a cool uh, spot when I went to Rome to be able to see that. Um, mm-hmm. I think at the time it was they had a whole bunch of different things on display, and I don't know if they had the true things on display, but they talked about the relic of the crown of thorns mm-hmm. and the and the three nails, and they talked about the shroud of Turin there, and they and they had like the images all on display, mm-hmm. and and you could see kind of what it would kind of look like, and the. It, they had uh, descriptions of all, and and the history. Like they follow how they follow the history. And you said like I, I just looking up the True Cross, the little research that I did. It was lost. It was last seen in Damascus. Yeah. And the Knights Templar, uh, it was offered to in 1219. So uh, Saladin stole it in eight, uh, 1187. But it was it was in 1219. It was offered for the mm. Knights Templar to the Knights Templar by Al kamil in exchange for lifting the siege of Demedia... I guess that's how you say it. But it was never delivered because
0: he actually didn't have the cross. Everyone thought they had the cross, but he didn't have the cross. That was like 100 years later or whatever. So, yeah. And when they discovered the three crosses, they also discovered the inscription tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that St. Helena divided into three pieces. Uh, uh, She sent a portion to her son, Constantine, uh, another to a Roman church, Santa Croce, and the other uh, remained in Jerusalem. Cool. So, yeah, like lots of stuff from that time considering and there's There's a lot
2: and there's a lot of history written down like I found dates I found times like the true cross was found on um, September 14th of three, 320 A.D. Mm-hmm. that's why
0: we so, celebrate the Feast of the Holy yeah. Cross. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's, that's,
1: yeah. that's yeah. because that's yeah. the day it was found. You know, know, like, when we're talking about kind of the the authentication process of uh, these, that like, uh, again, there's there's a lot more credibility to the the Hellenist story than, um, like, this is just a legend of Constantine's yes. mother. doing. It's like, no, this is the, probably the first time Christians had the latitude to travel freely, yeah. the resources to, you know, acquire these things. And from the, the scribes to write it down. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 exactly.
2: The journey,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, the Holy Nails, yeah, we, we have those two, right? Uh, we believe so. Yeah, I think <laughs> one <laughs> is at Santa Croce in uh, Rome. The other one, there's wow. France.
2: I think France and Jerusalem, I think, are the other. Is that what?
0: okay? So uh, yeah, one Notre is at the Dame. Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. Oh yeah, France. One yeah. is at the Cathedral of Saint Mary of the Flowers in Florence. Oh, Florence. And apparently, one is also, or a piece of it is in Germany, uh, yeah. at Saint at the, uh, the Cathedral of Saint Peter.
1: Yeah, strangely, there are um, a lot of you would say kind of first, first class. Right? I yeah. don't know. If they're, yeah. they're, they're even uh, it would be kind of second degree um, relics uh, of Jesus in Germany. But uh, yeah, yeah. You, you would like, say remember we
0: talked about the Magi? Yeah, the relics of the three Magi we saw yeah. at the Epiphany are in the Cathedral of Cologne, Germany, like that huge, gothic, beautiful-looking church, right in the sanctuary. I think it's bones or their skulls or Um, something.
1: And if I remember correctly, there is a church in Germany that claims to have the garment, um, the the garment woven of a single thread that they cast lots for. Oh, cool. uh, that, but um, you, you were talking about kind of uh, verifying scientifically. Um, they're, they're not actually able, and this is this is why I remember it. Um, they're not actually able to do any sort of carbon dating on it because in the 18th or 19th century, um, in an effort to preserve it, yeah. um, they dipped it in a like a, a petroleum byproduct kind uh, of thing. No. They rubberized it yeah. effectively um, to to keep it which from Iraq. which which you know. Um, granted it's you know at that point 1800 years old um, you know and its fiber um, yeah. like its 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 material so you know um and 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 again e- even looking at these these relics you know uh, even the ones that have been dated um are the fact that you know e- even wood you know I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm a woodworker um you know that that wood is preserved and kept for 2000 years is, amazing. is is miraculous it's, yeah yeah it's true yeah.
0: and even i was really fascinated that even like during the crucifixion story you know the sponge that was yeah that's uh, like
2: the lance the yeah, sponge, the sponge like that, all like, that
0: stuff anything
2: that touched jesus during that that time we have a relic for. Now, that's where I say that I uh, take everything with, with a word of caution. And if the church, uh, if the church authenticates it, then it's a different story. But a lot of these relics, I think, you know, like, you know, I have the sandals that Jesus wore, you know, like, like, (laughs) like, you know, and, um, but, but, but what is the purpose of the relic, yeah. I guess, is the, is the question. And if it brings you closer, like, and I remember being at, um, there's a church uh, that has the stairs where uh, oh, yeah. Pilate, and um, it was moved into Rome, yes. into the area. You have yeah. to go up on your knees. You go up on your knees. and, and, and uh, But but there's little drops of blood that are, like, crystallized over with um, glass, and so you could see the drops of blood on the stairs. I remember that, and, yeah. and those are believed to be the blood of, of Jesus and everything else. And I know for people that we were in, in the pilgrimage and the tour with, um, it was a life-changing experience to be there. But, like, again, we talked about this with Medjugorje. We talked about this with going to, um, you know, uh, Fatima or any of those places. When you go, if you're going, and if this experience helps you open your heart to have a deeper relationship with God, then these, the, like, if that's what the relic does, just to help you understand a little more about the passion or opens, your, like, your your heart, your faith, and everything else, then good, you know? Like, that's where God is bringing you to, to these areas to, to yeah. have that one-on-one connection with you. It's not necessarily that the relic necessarily holds any power or holds any, you know what I mean? And and sometimes, a lot of times, those first-class relics, um, miracles are happening, as we talked about the true cross and stuff, around those relics, which is kind of cool. There could also be... The relic themselves is kind of somewhat of a miracle, depending on the story and depending on the scientific evidence and stuff that pass it. Right. And so it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, even that relics exist. Again, I'm I'm coming from you know a, a Protestant background where th- this isn't part of the the tradition. Yeah. Um, I, again, you have that Martin Luther quote that is, <laughs> you know, um, kind of kind of speaking irreverently or kind of dismissively uh, about relics. That you don't have this, um, but you know, in that context, or you know, in in my experience, it's easy to make your your faith this kind of distant, abstract, hyper spiritual thing. Relics bring your your attention to the concrete reality yeah. of our faith. That you know, this this was a historical event, um, and you're absolutely right. You you want to. You want to, uh, you know, uh, display caution. You don't want to hinge your faith on any one specific relic yeah. being, um, you know, uh, authentic or you know the the actual real deal. Because again, if if something comes out to challenge that idea, again, you're you don't want to you don't want to yeah. you don't want to hang your hat on that p- like particular hook. Um, but uh, again, just just relics in general, or even even a pilgrimage, uh, a process of prayer um, where you're you know moving towards you know um, venerating a specific relic, or you know. Um, you know, uh, a contemplation of of the passion of Christ. Um, These can be, you know, really powerful sacramentals. These can be really powerful aids to prayer. Um, They can be catalysts for conversion, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, again, like relics on the whole again really really open our eyes to the concrete reality of of our faith
0: yeah, yeah and and even like just with sites like uh mm-hmm. like places that this happened like the site of the crucifixion the the site of you know the, the, where, the tomb tomb where Jesus, where Jesus was buried. walked the tomb where Jesus was buried even like uh you know where Jesus was baptized all these like these are tourist places mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're not tourist places but they're places mm-hmm. where people go uh, for that, for, to have that closeness to Jesus, to to walk where He walked, to to be there, to have this experience of faith, of course, it, it's something that could deepen and strengthen faith. Yeah. You know, like I've never been to the Holy Land, which, you know, we're gonna work on so one know, of these we're days. Yeah, film yeah. an episode <laughs> of the Catholic Buzz in the Holy Land, um, but. Uh, Imagine when we go to the Holy Land, the scriptures must just come alive. Yeah. Like you know, you you read the reading. Saint Paul went here and there, and all these different locations and things. You are like, oh, well, we're here, right we're, here. Yeah, we're here, we're yeah. here. And and the same thing when you when you see some of these holy relics, it must it must bring the stories alive. It must bring this closeness with Jesus that maybe you know like these these relics. Can can further deepen our closeness yeah. to Jesus. Uh, the crown of thorns is yeah. something we didn't mention yet, but you know, uh, I, apparently it was sort of like a cap, yeah. uh, sort of style that they would put a crown of thorns on, and uh, this is uh, preserved right now in the Cathedral of Notre Dame in mm-hmm. Paris. So I hope yeah. it wasn't... Uh, in the fire? I, I didn't hear it. It yeah, was destroyed there was by a, the fire.
1: A, um, they weren't sure when the fire initially happened, right. but there was, a, there was a huge effort to kind of locate Preserve it after. It. And yeah, I mentioned yeah. sure that it was all right. Um,
0: and uh, why I mentioned it's kind of like a type of cap with like a circular band or like a wreath, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. is because uh, that, you know, people are like, well, that's not how it's depicted. But it's supported by the Shroud of Turin. Yeah, yeah. And the image on the Shroud of Turin. And we haven't mentioned the Shroud of Turin yet. No, because I'm going to geek out way hard. Yeah, (laughs) so tell us about the Shroud of Turin. Okay, so the Shroud of Turin, the Shroud of Turin is based on the
2: um, burial shroud. So basically, they would have covered Jesus' body in a shroud, they would have wrapped it from head to toe one way, and then they would have went, went like up the front, down the back type thing, and then wrapped it around his body, and that's kind of how they would have buried um, any, any Jewish man at that time. Um, but the cool thing about the Shroud of Turin is that there was a lot of scientific evidence, there's a lot of things going on, we have a lot of history with the Shroud of Turin, and then um, there, there was a lot of cool things going on at that time that that we can understand from like the 1950s all the way up to 1988, one of the things that happened in 1988 is we, we came up with uh, this new, the new scientific evidence, talked about carbon dating. And so this this relic of the church that has been honorated and venerated from like, the, you know, as, as long as we can kind of have paperwork to kind of suggest that it's like from 1200 AD plus on, um, suggests like we've been re- honoring this relic that is, it has it has um, a stains of the blood of Jesus, but it's very very much an image of a man front and back. Uh, the whole body of a man that's been crucified. We know that they've been crucified, that they've been scourged, um, that they've been whipped to a degree because of the wear the blood like seeps through on certain parts of the cloth and everything else. And if you look up the Shroud of Turin, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a they call it the negative image of what Jesus would have looked like inside uh, the shroud. And um, and so this is the shroud that they believe that has been left behind after Jesus resurrects from the dead kind of thing, probably was the shroud that the angel was folding at the, you know, on in the tomb kind of thing. Um... In 1988, uh, Pope Ben—actually, it was Pope Benedict, but Cardinal Ratzinger at the time—people um, challenged uh, the Shroud of Turin and he said, "Okay, go ahead. You know, why, why don't we? Why don't we test it? Why don't we? Why don't we use science to either prove or disprove this is going on?" And now, remember, at this time, people have been studying this, have been looking at all the different marks on it, have noticed the crown of thorns, as you're saying, more of a cap type thing. Um, they know that the, just the hair—he was a Nazarene, um, like all these different kind of facts that they got—and what they eventually get to the point—they they carbon date it and the carbon dating comes back. And the carbon dating suggests that it's from 1200 to 1300 AD. And this was on display over news and paper all in 1988 all over the place saying, radiocarbon dating has proven the Shroud of Turin to be false. And it was a big thing. And so basically it got to the point where science has proven that this religious article that we have, is, which is called the Shroud of Turin, is not. And, and Pope Benedict was one of the ones, I mean, at the time he's Cardinal Ratzinger, helped organize... Um, the the scientific uh, findings of this. A couple things that came out after now uh, were in uh, 2017, and it never made the news, believe it or not, um, which is that 30 years later, um, now the Freedom of Information Act allows those universities who have done all the testing and did all that stuff, there's three universities that tested it, to come out with the process and how they did it and how, how everything was done. They kept it hidden up until that point. And people were asking, but they were saying, no, we're not going to tell anybody. So up 30 years later in 2017, it came out. And it's now been unauthenticated, meaning their study and their research based on it wasn't done properly for a couple of different reasons. First of all, um, their carbon dating, the way that they were supposed to do it, they were supposed to have seven different universities doing it um, from seven different pieces of the cloth. And what eventually ended up happening was um, they couldn't afford seven because <laughs> it was a lot of a lot of expense. So they went down to three, and instead of three from three different areas of the of the cloth, as you would expect uh, from this from this cloth and image and everything else, they took three from one single sample. Hmm. And so they all tested the same single sample. And the problem with the single sample is it's from the top left-hand corner, right-hand corner, I can't remember which one, top corner of the sheet. And if you look, anytime you have a picture of somebody holding the shroud of Turin, because at, at one time they just held it with bare hands, like yeah, priests and uh, sorry, cardinals and bishops holding it up, just holding it up like a normal sheet of paper. Um, they're holding it from the corners, right? Where where the you know, and so they took a small little segment from one of these corners. Two things that uh, are of note here: after we now have the technology of UV light and and detection and all that kind of stuff, a UV light was put on the shroud of Turin, and it was caramelized color all throughout the entire um, shroud except for that top left corner where they took the piece from, and it was like a very, very luminous green color, which is weird from the rest of the... Like, everything else is brown and caramel, and this is, like, bright green. Um, And so... Um, very much, And then uh, what ended up happening was a, a woman, a librarian, and she took uh, she took pictures of the cloth in that area. She started bringing it around to loom experts and saying, okay, we feel like there's there's something going on with this green thing going, you know, this green side. What is going on here? And and, and um, stitch work, there's no stitch work. So we can't, it looks like a different piece of fabric, but we can't see the stitch working lining. And um, a bunch of loom experts talked about the 16th century. They, she didn't tell it was a shrouded tour or anything else. She just said, can, what can you tell me about this? Looking fabric, and and it was that okay. This is um, a stitchwork pattern known in the 16th uh, as patchwork. And so what they basically did was they unwove the fabric to like if if a corner ripped off, let's say they unwove the fabric, and then they took a piece that was very similar, and then they kind of like meshed the two pieces in together. Mm-hmm. And it was so carefully done that it's hardly ever noticeable. You can't really see it other than a single one line that's out. And that's what you find in this specific shroud, which is so there, so it's now believed that it's, there's evidence that it that one corner was ripped off. And not only that, it's, it's a totally different color mm-hmm. under UV light than everything else. And that's also because when they did that, you have a now, like a, a worn piece of fabric and then a bright white <laughs> linen piece yeah. that's sewed into the corner. So they used to try to... um Dirty it up with a uh, basically an oil from a tree, so they would kind of rub it in. So, a couple of things: they radiodated, activate dated this Shroud of Turin, and they found, oh, this is from 1200 to 1300 AD, and 95% certainty that all three universities came up with the same thing. First of all, they took the same piece of cloth. To carbon date anything, you have to burn it, and so they burn it beyond all recognition, so nobody can go back and test a piece of cloth to see, you know? And so three universities all came and they were supposed to do a blind study, meaning they're supposed to do it completely by themselves and they ended up collaborating with each other. And so coming out with, instead of three different universities coming out with their own stuff, they all talked to each other and then came to conclusion together Hmm. that this was it. So there's all things to say, now we have conclusive evidence that the Shroud of Turin is actually real. Specifically, that they use a thing called um, wide-angle X-ray scattering. And so this was just done in 2018, I believe it was, um, 2019. And um, basically what this is, this is a, a more um, precise way of measuring the natural aging of flax cellulose and converting it into a time since manufacture. And um, so one of the reasons why this is well used now, I mean, with the technology and everything else, is that it doesn't destroy the fabric. So you can actually do it on pieces of fabric and not destroy it. It's just a way of, of, of um, x-raying it and, and figuring this out. And so what they found was when they did that, that this place, he placed, he placed the Shroud of Turin. This is uh, De, Car- De Caro, um, who studied it. And so he placed the Shroud of Turin against the samples that he found from documented cases from three hundred BC all the way to two thousand AD. So and, and he, he measured, you know, and it was found that it most closely matched a piece from the siege of Masada Masada, Israel, in fifty-five to seventy-four AD. So hmm. they're basically saying this is from about the 55 to 74. It's around that time period somewhere. So that's how it they matches went, a similar, similar, piece, similar piece. And so yeah. it's, so they're saying this is because we know that this is from 55 to 74 AD yep. with all our imaging and stuff. We're saying it's from around that period. We don't know how. The other cool thing is they measured the proteins and the cellulose and all that kind of stuff from the up, from the top corner. And they found that there's vanillin, uh, which is something that is grown only like the fabric and stuff is only found in pro- plant protein in England, which is what they were saying. So this was manufactured in Middle Ages and everything else. But that was in the top right corner throughout the rest, we can now have the technology to look at the rest of the weaves throughout the, uh, nowhere else is vanilla found at all. (laughs) So that means it has to have been made, this cloth has to have been made before, first of all, in the Middle East from the fabrics that we found and before 800 AD. Mm -hmm. So it's not, no longer this 1200, like this doesn't hold up at all. The cool part about this, the image cannot have been created by any technology known to man right now. It's so thin, it's like a slice of a hair times a slice of a hair times sli- like if you take a hair, slice it, slice it, slice it, slice it, slice it, in half five times or six times. That's how thin this burn mark is on top. So this is there's blood, and then there's a burn mark, uh, and this burn mark is the image uh, that appears on this thing. And we don't have the technology now today to put a laser into that burn mark, and so. Um, there's a whole bunch, there's so much stuff going on in the Trout of Turin. I, I can geek out about it all day. But it's it's one of those relics that if you want to, there's a podcast, a great podcast by uh, Pints of Aquinas, uh, Matt Frad, and he talks to one of the priests that is uh, the leading expert in, in this area now. And uh, they talk about all the things that just came out just like in the last year, two years, three years. Um, and it's a three-hour podcast. It's got tons of information in. It. But if you're listening to it, it's all scientifically backed and proven now. And they don't know how, like it's just amazing. This how they could have possibly put an image on there. We can't do it today with the lasers that we have. The fact that a guy tested and tried to figure out how to burn an image like that onto a piece of paper, it would have to take wattage. Like, the the light could burn it, but it would. his suggestion was that the wattage would take such a high amount of wattage that we don't even really have, like, either a laser or, a, like, a really flash, bright flash. And neither of those do we have the technology yet to do. Um but also that it that doesn't burn through the fabric. It's only that one little bit of layer, which suggests that something very lightly, but very fast, burnt, onto that piece of paper, onto that onto that shroud. So really kind of cool stuff. The image is an inverted image. So meaning if you take the inverse of that image, it's an actual image. of, like, It's like a photo of negative of Christ um, or of a man. So kind of cool. Anyways, so there's a lot of stuff going on. If you want, look into the Shroud of Turin. There, you're going to find a lot of negative stuff going on around the 1988 time period because that's when a lot of people came out and said, oh, it's false. But now look at 19, uh, 2017 uh, and look up De Caro because he's the one that kind of proved yeah. that it's all true now and he Went in and did the carbon dating extra stuff and yeah. Um, yeah,
0: so cool stuff. And if someone wants to go see, yeah, the shroud of Turin, yeah, it is found in Turin, <laughs> Turin, Turin, Turin <laughs> in Italy uh, at the Chapel of the Holy Shroud. Yeah. so the shroud of Turin. Yeah, uh, 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 well, that's uh, you've cleaned us out of time, okay, sorry, Josh. That was, that was funny, so yeah. that's all the time we have today. But look, these beautiful things about these relics is they kind of they kind of unite like the divine and the human experience. eh? Like this this is like Jesus divine here on earth. We have remnants of him here. It's actually really quite beautiful. If anyone has uh, any stories of seeing a relic, maybe you have something in your basement that belongs to Jesus. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Drop us a line at at askusatthecatholicbuzz.com or drop a line in the comments. For Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz.